Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Well, what's up, Queen City Church? Y'all doing good today? Come on, do you like the person that you're sitting next to today? Do you like him? Can you let him know? I am so glad that I sat next to you today. I'm just so glad. I'm so glad about it. So if you're sitting by yourself, man, you're probably sitting by yourself because your arms are so intimidating to everybody else around you. A guy up here watching during worship, I'm like, man, what, those pythons, those, what are they doing? Somebody's got to get security on him. It's a gun show up here. But, man, I'm so glad to be here today. And, um, uh, I love your pastors so, so much. And it's no stretch of exaggeration when Brian says, man, he, he's one of my best friends. And my wife, Courtney, and I have just grown to love them so dearly. And what's so cool about your pastors is not what you see on the platform each week, but I think one of the greatest compliments I can give them, in fact, I'd say it's the greatest compliment I can give them, is that they're even better behind stage than they are on the stage. And that can't be said about a whole lot of people that you see on a platform, but the way in which they lead their family, love their leaders, the dream team, this city, they lead with such humility and passion. And really, I believe that there is a mantle on this church as a result of the call that's on their lives to really pastor this entire city. You know that this church will not be restricted to one venue in the future, nor will it be restricted to two or three or four or five. There's a It's a beautiful call that God has on this church. And what's happening here in just two short years is no short of a miracle. Do you understand that? Like, this is not normal. It's not normal. Like, turn to somebody next to you, let them know, like, it's not normal. You're literally sitting in a miracle. I mean that. Some of you are like, "Uh, I don't know. It's like the first time that you fly on an airplane, you think it's amazing, right? You're like taking pictures out the window. There's birds and clouds and sunsets. By about the fifth time you fly, you are dreading the entire experience. Going through TSA, ah, sitting like neck and neck, arm in arm, rubbing shoulders literally with the person on your left and right, basically eating your knees. You're like, I don't want to do this anymore. Just get me to point A to point B, but at one point, it felt like a miracle that you're flying in a 30,000-pound tube in the air, traveling at 600 miles per hour, and yet that's what you're experiencing here. So each and every week, man, don't take this for granted. Did your worship team not do an amazing job? Dear God. So good. Oh, man, and, and we, 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 are, we are learning from you all. We really are. We, we brought a team of of people here uh, this weekend to hang out with some of your team, some of the dream team here, just to learn, because we, we just want to soak it up, man. We, we look up to you guys and, and what you all are doing in two years, and, and I love the team that's here. I love the team that they represent, and they're the real heroes and the true MVPs of Ethos Church. That's a true story, and Megan and Maddie are here. I'm going to cry looking next to my, to my, to my daughter. Uh, I love you guys. I want, to, I want to say publicly, I've told you both privately, but I'm so proud of you and the way in which my daughter looks up to you guys, it means the world to me. And we need more uh, great, strong, confident young female leaders to raise up another generation because it can't just be done in our home. So thank you. Thank you both so much. Oh man, I, uh, I come from an amazing family. My wife is so much better than me. I've got a quick picture I want to show you of my bride, Courtney. She's my best friend. There's my son, Judah. I mentioned my daughter, Sophia, who's here with us as well. She loves traveling with her daddy. I'm going to take it until she doesn't want to do it anymore. But, but that's on launch Sunday 
as Brian mentioned, September 16th, 2018. That's the first picture we took when we were like an official church. And if you notice, there's something underneath Judah's shirt. Because he's in the preschool classroom that day. He walks out and he stole a toy. <laughs> On the first Sunday of Ethos Church, my son became a thief. Okay, I'm like, like, son, you got to give it back. And he's like, no, kind of throwing a fit. Like on the first Sunday, like none of these people know us. Just keep the toy, son. Keep the toy. You know, we're like, we'll give it back next week. But, but man, it's been such a journey. And, and of course, nowadays, I've got a, a different picture to show you two years later. This is what we look like most of the time that you see us now. And, uh, but man, my, my family's amazing. My wife always sends her love. She really does. She, she always wants me to make sure, which I don't even think I mentioned it. She always wants me to make sure I say that she sends her love to, to you all as well. And we just, we love this church so much. I want to share, I want to share this morning about the next 80 to 90 minutes from a talk entitled, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. They put a clock on the countdown there. So I've actually only got 17 minutes. I'm just kidding. I got about 20, 25 minutes. I want to share with you from, from a talk entitled Church with All People. Come on, church with all people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these few moments that we have to, to really share together. And God, we just, we refuse right now, we refuse to take these moments for granted. God, as we open up your word, as we read your text, as we study your scripture, we ask that you would speak to us in ways that we've yet to hear your voice. God, show us more clearly who Jesus really is and make up the distance between the gap that exists between what I've prepared to say and what you want to speak into the hearts and the minds of all those in the room and everybody who's watching online right now. And God, we also just ask that beginning next Saturday, October 24th, that you bless your Ohio State Buckeyes. Take them all the way to a national championship. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. Amen. O-H. Yeah. We're in Cincinnati. Okay. Okay. Last, last weekend, uh, or rather last week, um, Pastor Brian and I Got invited to go on this trip with, with several other pastors across the country and just some, some really great dear friends of ours. And this was the second year that we got to go on this trip. It's kind of like a time of rest and reprieve. How many of y'all know, like, we all need rest? Like, part of God's plan for your life is to rest. You, you know that? Come on, that's, that's good news right there. God loves you enough for you just to kind of take it easy. And, and so we get away last week and we're doing some fly fishing, of which we both discovered we're not very good at. I'm worse than your pastor. I caught zero. He caught two. And, and, and so we're just, we're just kind of hanging out together. And we were, we were sleeping in the same room. We were paired up, me and him and, and one of our other friends, Landon. He pastors a fantastic church in Fort Worth, Texas. And, and it's just the three of us in this room, three different beds, same room. And, and the second night that we were there, it was 3.10 in the morning. I know because I clicked my phone. I wanted to figure out what time is it? Like how much more time do I have? Because I needed to use the restroom, right? And I had to go so bad. But y'all know like when you click your phone, because if you're like 30 minutes from waking up, you're like, I can hold it. But when you're like three hours, four hours, you're like, I gotta go. And so I, I get up and, and I go over to the door. Now, now the home that ran a little bit of an older home, and the temperatures drop. This is Montana when the sun goes down and the temps go with it. And and the doors in this home would begin to kind of like thicken. They'd, they'd kind of expand a bit in the evening and the furnace would continue to run consistently. And so I go to open the door and it's jammed. I can't get it open. Now I, much like my friend, pride myself on, you know, maybe having the ability to open a door. But like, I couldn't get the door open. 
This is no stretch of an exaggeration. Five minutes goes by, my hands are sweating. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm like making decisions. Do I just urinate here? Or do I keep trying to figure out how to get out of here? Like, I'm looking for a way out. At one point, I literally had my foot on the door jam, and I'm using every ounce of muscle and strength I've got in effort to get myself out of this room and into the restroom. At one point, even, I got down on my knees, and I put my hand underneath the door itself, and I just started pulling profusely, willing to break the door if that's what's necessary. I, evidently, I was making too much commotion, and your pastor kind of rolled over in his bed, which is like three feet from the door, and he goes, you need some help. <laughs> and I kind of chuckled, and I was like, if you don't mind. To which he responded with, nothing. <laughs> no response whatsoever. I'm like, bro, you got to help me out of here. I started making more commotion intentionally to wake him up. And eventually he rolls over. Meanwhile, I'm sitting on my bed trying to figure out how am I going to get out of this room and into a restroom. And without him even saying a single word, he just gets up and I'm getting kind of excited. I get up out of my bed and I start making my way over to the door thinking, hey, two are better than one. Come on, somebody. We got this, Brian. Let's go. He doesn't even wait for my assistance. He just turns the doorknob, opens the door real gently, walks right into the restroom. Which I'm like, how did you do that? I'm thinking that when he gets back to the room, he's going to be like laughing at me. He doesn't. Walks right in, goes back into his bed, curls up under the blankets, goes right back to sleep. And I'm like, this guy's a genius. He's a magician. I come to discover I just wasn't turning the doorknob all of the way. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself in a similar position before? where you are just searching for a way out. Like, come on, we are living in 2020, somebody. Like, we are all looking for a way out. But even more specifically, have you ever found yourself in a situation before where you are looking for a loophole out of treating people the way that you would want to be treated? Like, you are searching for any sort of opportunity. Like, well, they kind of brought it on themselves. They're the ones who cut me off in traffic. I mean, they're the ones who made the poor decision. I mean, they're the ones who treated me unfairly to begin with. We all, if we're honest, if we're honest, this is church. We ought to be honest. If there's one place where we can actually take off our proverbial mask, not a real mask, our proverbial masks, it ought to be church. We all find ourselves in situations where we are looking for, looking for a loophole. What's so interesting is the Bible has so much to say about this. I love the story of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, it's the... It's the third book of the New, the New Testament, the newer portion of our Bible. And it records for us this story that Jesus is trying to illustrate for us a point around how easy it is to look for a loophole out of treating people the way that we would want to be treated. But even more specifically, he is giving for us a vision of what his church, the church of Jesus Christ, is intended to look like. Now, here's the beautiful thing about Jesus. And here's why I think if you don't know him, you would absolutely fall in love with him. Not the Jesus that you've heard about at one point or another in your life, but the Jesus that Queen City Church is coming to introduce to you, the real Jesus. That Jesus liked people who were nothing like him. And people who were nothing like Jesus, they liked him. So even if you think, I would never like Jesus, 
he would sow like you. And as a result, we, we find in this story in Luke chapter 10, which is so common to many of us, but we find this highly controversial, racially charged scenario. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this story is going to make you feel so empowered today. If you don't know what you believe about God, and you've been like, man, Christians are judgmental, they're critical, to which we would probably all around you be like, that's true, myself included, you're going to feel like, oh, that, that's what I've been searching for right there. It's the church that Jesus came to truly establish. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, the story begins that on one occasion, there's an expert in the law. This guy knows his stuff. He's the real deal. He stands up to test Jesus. He says, teacher, uh, what do I got to do to inherit, to receive eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what's, what's written in the law? You know it. You're an, you're an expert of the law. He says, how do you read it? The man replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind. And then love your neighbor just as you would yourself. To which Jesus says, that's, that's spot on, bro. You, you got it. You've answered correctly. Just do that. And then you're going to live. But the man wants to justify himself. He, he wants to find a way out. We, we can relate with this. We have behaved in such a way and even used the scriptures in such a way as to justify our own behavior. And this man right here is doing just that. So he asked Jesus, let's narrow it down a bit because that's too broad, that's too big, that's too difficult. So who really is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Which is an interesting question, one of which we all ask, maybe not intentionally, maybe not consciously, maybe not verbally out loud, but certainly innately. We are all asking ourselves, like, do I really need to treat people the same way I'd want to be treated? even if it interrupts my daily routine, even if it inconveniences me, even if they brought the pain upon themselves, do I really, like who really is my neighbor, Jesus? So Jesus replies to the guy with the story. And he's a brilliant storyteller. And he begins by saying, there's a man, a traveler, and he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now Jesus is telling this story, it's a made up story, it's a parable. But he's using real-life illustrative points in order to make his point. Jerusalem to Jericho, it's a well-known, it's a well-known road. His audience would have been well familiar with the path in which Jesus was referring to. Jerusalem to Jericho, about 20 miles in length, notoriously dangerous. Rocky defiles, quick sudden twists and turns. It is a, like, there's, there's bandits and bad guys everywhere. Like, you don't travel Jerusalem to Jericho by yourself. You just don't. You take your boys with you. You take my buddy up there with you. You travel with a caravan, but you do not go alone. In fact, in the third century, this road was nicknamed the Bloody Way. How about that for the name of a road? You're like, hey, mom, I'm gonna go to Joey's house via the bloody wet <laughs> like well are you taking your buddy in the balcony with you no you're gonna die <laughs> so they begin traveling on this on this road and jesus goes on he says the man was attacked by robbers they they stripped him of his clothes they they beat him and they went away and they they left the man half dead now that that term half dead in the original language literally means to to be physically dead I'm sorry, it literally means to be, to be physically alive on the outside, but, but to be spiritually dead on the inside. It's actually referring to, to a season, a state in which we all can relate to. No doubt within the last seven months or so, you have felt alive on the outside, 
but dead, far from God, absent on the inside. Jesus is letting his audience know this guy traveled a road, he brought it on himself, and he finds himself alive on the outside, but dead on the inside. It says a priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, similar to a priest. But when he came to the place, he saw him as well, and he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. Now, in this story, the audience, if you all are listening to Jesus tell this story, and contextually, you're sitting within the culture of the day, you are thinking to yourself, if the priest... And the Levite wanted nothing to do with the oppression of this man. Most certainly the Samaritan who has no dealings with the Jews. The Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I mean, there is a racial tension war between the two of them. Not unlike much of what we've seen and experienced firsthand within the cities, the communities, the suburban, the suburban and the rural spaces in our own country today. So if the priest and the Levite wanted nothing, then the Samaritan's probably going to be like, anybody looking? Let's just kind of kick the dude right off the cliff. But it says the Samaritan does the exact opposite. It says as the Samaritan traveled, he, he saw him and he had compassion on him. He went to the man, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn. He took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, which is two days worth of wages. He gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. When I return, I'm going to reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Jesus concludes the story by saying, which of, these, which of these three guys do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. To which Jesus said, yeah, so just go and do likewise. Just go and do that. You are dismissed. See, much of the time that we hear this story spoken of, the climactic conclusion is, be more like the good Samaritan. Just go and do likewise. But the reality is that when the expert of the law heard Jesus say, go and do likewise, he was not encouraged. That was a debilitating statement. How can I ever treat people who look nothing like me, believe nothing like me, vote nothing like me, behave nothing like me, like the good Samaritan treated somebody who looked nothing like him, believed nothing like him, voted nothing like him, behaved nothing like him. That, that's not encouraging, Jesus. See, the reality is that you're not the good Samaritan. I'm not the good Samaritan. That Jesus never intended for this story to be a representation of you and I as the good Samaritan passing by this, this wayward sojourner. The good Samaritan in this story is actually it's Jesus. So when the expert of the law hears this, go and do likewise, he's thinking to himself, I could never do that, which Jesus is thinking to himself, that's right. You can't, but I have, and I will. See, you, you can't love like Jesus until you first understand how radically you have been loved. You were found half dead on the side of a road that you were responsible for traveling on in the first place. And then what? And then Jesus brought you to an inn. You know what the inn is? Little inn? I think the inn is the most misunderstood character in this entire story. You got the Samaritan, maybe even the innkeeper, the priest, the Levite. They get the Golden Globe Awards, but the inn. The inn is actually a representation of the church. 
that Jesus is building. The inn is Queen City Church, the place in which you, in this room, and you who are watching online have been introduced to and brought by Jesus. You say, no, no, no. My daughter brought me here. No, no, no. Jesus brought you here. No, no, no. My, my mom brought me here. No, no, no. Jesus brought you here. He, he reached down in the dirt when you were a bloody mess, alive on the outside, but dead, struggling, lonely, depressed, anxious, confused on the inside. He puts you on his donkey and he brought you to the inn. I spent a few months, about four months in India, shortly after I graduated college and I was working for a missionary over there on the southern tip in a little village called Rayakutta. Like this place is straight out of National Geographic magazine. And after about four months, I'm getting ready to go back home. And I asked the, I asked the leader of the organization, I said, hey, could I take some of my friends that I've grown to know and love, some of the native Indians who are working for this ministry, can I take them to like a hotel, treat them like some bougie experience, take them to a nice restaurant? To which the guy responded, yeah, of course, except... I think you're misunderstanding what hotels are for us over here. So for you all in the States, hotels are a place of, of, of reprieve in the sense that you go to hang out and to enjoy. But for us, our hotels are, are places to escape from danger. They're positioned on roads in such a way that, that we treat them like safe houses. So as you begin to study this story, what you come to, what you come to discover is is that this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, what most scholars believe, there was about three or four inns that were strategically positioned all across this 20-mile stretch in order to give people who couldn't make it from point A to point B in one day, in order to give them a place where they could retreat, a place where they could experience some hospitality, a place where strangers could be treated more like family. See, these inns were positioned in places of danger. Places of safe havens for those who are struggling, for those who were just wayward, for those who just needed community, for those who just needed rest to come and to hang out. See, I think what Jesus is trying to illustrate through this inn is what he's trying to show all of us of what his home for humanity is intended to look like. See, I, I dream of a church. But, uh, Jesus dreams of a church that functions more like this little inn than some big old country club with big old pearly gates where only a few elite people can come in. See, Jesus dreams of a church where people can walk in bleeding for whatever reason. And they're not questioned. Um, traveler, sir, uh, you alive? To which Brian would respond. Yeah, I'm alive. You're bloody. You're kind of a mess. I was thinking about helping you, but can you tell me your story first? No. Man, I got some supply. You got need. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick you up. Oh, it's going to make me a little dirty. That's okay. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to put you on my donkey. I'm going to take you to this inn. I'm going to drop you off, and I'm going to tell the innkeeper, take care of him. And whatever needs he may have, I'll pay you back. There's really only four main characters in this story. There's the good Samaritan, that's Jesus. There's the traveler, that's every single individual that we find ourselves encountering on a daily basis. Then there's, then there's the inn, that's the church. Then there's the innkeeper, that's you. That's me. Jesus wants us to hear this loud and clear. 
that he will repay you. Maybe not in this life, but certainly in the life to come for every single individual that you live open-handed to. He's saying, hey, hey, church, I'm going to drop some people off at your doorstep. I had this thought not too long ago how often people come bleeding for all sorts of kind of reasons. And they show up in our small groups. They show up on the dream team. They show up on a Sunday morning. They show up at the coffee shop. They show up next to you sitting at that desk. And they've got all sorts of issues. But so often we keep them at arm's length because we're so on mission just to accomplish our task of the day that we forget that Jesus sent us on a mission to be innkeepers. Yeah, but man, that's going to that's gonna cost me something. Yeah, but you know what Jesus said? I'm going to pay you back. And sometimes we think, yeah, but I've tried that before, Jordan. We live so short-sighted, so short-minded. you got to live with eternity in my church. When you die and you pass from this life to the next, life doesn't end. That's when life truly begins. Everything you do now is a setup for everything that you will experience in eternity forever. And it will be beautiful, but you got to take people with you. Church, there is a calling on Queen City to position inns all across this city. Your pastors are called by God to be pastors to the city. I don't know if you realize this, but as a result of you connecting yourself with this community, you are also consequently connecting yourself to become innkeepers for the entire city. God, I pray that we get this. Close your eyes for just a moment. Father, I pray right now for this church and for every single person who's in here and for all of those that they represent and for all those who are watching online right now. And God, I ask that we would catch a revelation of what it looks like, of what it means to be innkeepers for this city and the surrounding communities in your name. See, so often, church, so often, you can look at me, so often, what happens is that we think the goal of Christianity is just to live a clean life. We just kind of want to look our best on the outside so we can impress everybody else on the outside. And yeah, I believe in living a life of holiness. And God calls us to live a life of holiness. But more importantly, God calls us to live a life of helpfulness. Let me bring my friends out here for just a moment. I want to close with this quick illustration. See, sometimes I think that what we assume is that we're to always look stain-free. And the more perfect we appear, the more accepted we'll become, and the more that we'll please our Father. See, the life in which God calls us to live is actually very different than that. If you find yourself in relationship or come into contact with somebody who maybe they're struggling with mental depression, anxiety, some sort of illness in their head, which is no different than illness in our body. Side note, I go to a counselor. Every four to six weeks, I see a counselor. Number one, because I'm jacked up, I'm messed up, and I need help. But number two, because I want to destroy the stigma that mental health is like, let's keep that at arm's length. No, 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 no. We all got problems. We all need community to accept us just as we are. We all need people to help carry our burdens. And when you find somebody who maybe they find themselves in that situation, 
you don't keep them at arm's length. You bring them in tight and you say, listen, brother, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I do know this. I'm going to go through it with you, church, with all people. I'm not just going to pray for you. I'm actually going to embrace you. You need money for counseling? I got your back. You need a ride? I got your ride. You need somebody to just call, a shoulder to cry on? I'll be that person. I'm going to be in this thing with you. Then suddenly you come across somebody and you find them, man, maybe they've got a physical ailment or pain in their body and they're just going through a season where they just need some help. They're scared. They're concerned. Maybe they got cancer in their body. They're going to be in the hospital getting treatment. You're not going to be in the hospital by yourself. I'm going to be there right by your bedside. And even if COVID stops me, doesn't allow me, you're going to see me outside your window waving at you, playing some Hillsong real loud. So all the nurses are like, okay. You need meals? I'm going to send you meals. You need gift cards? I'm going to give you gift cards. But I want you to know, you're not going to do this thing alone. But, the, but man, I, I believe different than you. I know. I know. My God, I used to believe different than Jesus, and yet he just brought me right in. You find somebody who has a different color skin than you, and he or she tells you, I just don't feel like I'm heard. I don't feel like I'm fully accepted. I don't feel like my voice is valued. In fact, frequently when I walk into a room, I feel like I'm an outsider. Everybody else is an insider. When I walk into that room with you, I'm going to be right by you. I want you to know that when you feel like you don't have a voice, I'm going to speak for you. When you feel like everybody else is telling you to be silent, I'm going to speak up even louder. When you feel the need to stand and protest, I'm going to protest with you. I got your back. I may not be able to relate entirely with the pain that you experience, but that doesn't stop me from standing with you every single day. And next thing you know, you realize, I mean, I, I'm not as clean as I once was. But you're not called to carry the burdens of other people independently. See, what God calls you to individually pales in comparison to what God wants to do through all of you collectively. This is the family of God. So what are we to do then when we experience and carry the burdens of others? Now, my, my prayer list is too long now, Jordan. I'm feeling kind of burdened. No, no, no. That's when you lock arms. Lock arms with the people next to you. And you say, hey, hey, fellas, hey, we're going to the inn together. Let's go to QCC on a Sunday morning together. I'm going to save you a seat. I'm going to meet you online at 6 p.m. for Growth Track because I want you to experience the community that's changed my life. I'm going to meet you at that small group. In fact, I'm going to pick you up buy you lunch, and then take you with me. Because we're going to do church with all people. We will not just be a church that prays for people. We will be a church that gets into the trenches with people. You know, so often what we do is, oh, I pray for you. Now you got stuff on you. Prayers, thoughts, vibes. They're all with you. You know what's better than prayers and thoughts? Your prayers, thoughts, and money. Your prayers, thoughts, and your time. Your prayers, thoughts, and the ministry of your presence. Your prayers, prayers, thoughts, and you pulling somebody with you so they can experience the in that God wants to build all over this amazing city. I believe that God is calling this church to step up. People are saying right now, yeah. People are saying right now that you can't build a church in COVID. 
Church can't grow in COVID. Jesus says, I'm going to build my church. Even the gates of hell. Come on. Woo. Even the gates of COVID can't overtake it. Even the gates of, gates of political division can't overtake it. Even the gates of racism can't overtake it. As it is in heaven, so let it be in Cincinnati. I'm going to close right now with three quick points. Three quick, thank you, fellas. Three quick points. You're taking notes. You can write this down. I'm closing right here. Closing right here. So what Jesus is really saying, when the expert of the law says, well, who's my neighbor? Here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, your neighbor are those who brought trouble on themselves. It's those who don't deserve my love, nor do they deserve yours, but you didn't deserve mine either. It's those who brought trouble on themselves. The second thing is, who's my neighbor? It's those of any nation, any tribe, any color, any belief, any political persuasion. There's no variances to those who deserve the love of Jesus. And you just so happen to be the missionary that Jesus is calling to reveal that love to this city and to your coworkers, to your friends and your family. And the third thing is, who is my neighbor? It's those with any need, those with anyone in need that we have a supply to meet. You got supply and they have a need? You know Jesus is calling you. He is privileging you. Generosity is your privilege. My God, I look forward to the opportunities that Jesus puts before me when I recognize that there's a need. We got supply. Baby, we got money in our bank account. They got a need. Woo! I ain't taking that to heaven, but I do want to take them with me. You got supply? Give it away. You know how this city is going to be reached for Jesus? Not like this, but like this. Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. Wherever you need me to go, I'll go. Whoever, whoever needs your love, let me be the one who sends it to them, who shows it to them, who reveals it to them. You close your eyes all across this place. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray right now that you would speak to our hearts all across this place. Those who are watching online, God, show us, maybe even reveal to us practically through your Holy Spirit, somebody that you are calling us to neighbor. Not who is my neighbor, but to whom can I be a neighbor? Wherever you find yourself right now, online or in this room, just take a moment and just simply ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do with what I just heard? How would you have me apply what it is that we just spoke about? Holy Spirit, speak. Continue with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, just as to drown out any distractions of anybody seated around you. If you are here today, you do not know Jesus, but you want to. You want to place your faith and trust in him. You want to know that you know that you know that you have a relationship with God Almighty, your heavenly father, who is not the picture of your earthly father, but the perfection of your heavenly father. He loves you more than you ever dreamed, thought, or prayed possible. But the only way in which we can come into a relationship with him is through his son, Jesus Christ. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody can come to the father except through me. But the good news is that Jesus is available for all people. If you want to know Jesus today, you're going to place your faith and your trust in him. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, 
I'm gonna ask you to shoot your hand up real high. Don't be looking around. It's between you and God on this day. One, today is your day. Don't let this moment, this minute, this weekend pass you by. Two, Jesus loves you. He said that today is the day of salvation. You don't have to figure out how you're gonna fix your past, get everything together. No, he says, today I can make you brand new. I can wipe away all your sin. I can release you from all of your shame. Three, lift up your hand real high all across this place. You wanna say yes to Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. That's amazing. Once you put your hand up, you can put it down. Thank you. Queen City Church, we're going to pray this prayer together. Everybody simply repeat after me, but know that you are not praying this to me, nor are you praying this to the people on your left or on your right, but you are praying this to God. He is leaning in, listening today. Everyone say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he's the Son of God. I believe that he died for me so that I could be saved. And on this day, I call upon the name of Jesus. And my life will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church, can we give it up for our friends who made that decision today? Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople. 